Welcome to Memorial Day weekend at Calvary. We are so glad that you've joined with us online. Uh, this is a different Sunday for us. We are experiencing church in the park. We had to do it a year ago. This Memorial Day weekend, we're doing it because we want to. And so we're excited about that, but we're also glad that in the course of all of the challenges of this year, we have been able to start and continue to pursue this online ministry that allows our services to come into your home or wherever you happen to be this Memorial Day weekend. So we're glad of that, and we wanted to keep you up to date in our series, give you a chance to worship, give you a chance to experience God wherever you find yourself this weekend. And, uh, and so we present this message to you. You're like, hey, you're in shorts. Yeah, well, you know, you couldn't come to the park, so I thought I'd bring at least a little bit of the park to you, because I'm dressing pretty casual for that Sunday. And uh, anyhow, we are in the midst of a series called Next Steps. Next steps. A couple weeks ago, in our introduction, we talked about how God is a part of every facet of our lives. He is the very breath that we breathe that gives us our existence. He comes along to tell us we can change with his help, our attitudes, our thought process. He comes to give us the moments in life, whether they are, at times, the miraculous but at times the mundane that turn into the miraculous, he's the producer that gives us those moments in our life. And, and then we, we talked about the fact that he is the one who actually sets the course, the direction of our life. He's the one who... Huh? No, I didn't. It popped. So I don't know. I think it was a I think it was an electric thing, Eric. I just and it threw me off. I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to start again. So it it just popped. Did you hear it? Yeah, no, I didn't touch it. And I just wanted to make sure I wasn't going to be electrocuted. <laughs> Because I heard it pop, and I'm like, what is going on? Check, check. Yeah, I, actually, I'm not sure it was my mic. I think it was just an electrical, you know. So I'm, I'm hoping we get without them turning us off or something. So, all right, start, start me up again. I apologize. We'll try to make sure that doesn't happen again. Do you still want me to count in my head to five, or are you counting me down? Okay. Hey, welcome to Calvary Memorial Day weekend. We are so glad that you've tuned in and joined with us from wherever you are spending this weekend. We are experiencing church in the park on our Sunday morning, and so we're bringing this to you much like we did throughout this past year and a half with an empty auditorium. Uh, last year, we were in the park for the whole month of June, kind of because we had to. 
this year, it's nice that it's because we want to. But we're also glad that through the course of these past few months, this ministry has started and it's been allowed to flourish and so many of you have joined with us and we're glad. And so we hope that you'll stay with us for the next few minutes. Trust that you've been able to worship and looking forward to hearing what God has to say to you as we continue in our series called Next Steps. A couple weeks ago, we kicked this off And we learn that God is the very essence, the breath that we breathe. He is the essence of our existence. And and God gives us that breath. He breathes into our lungs the very breath that allows us to live. He is the one who comes along and gives to us the attitudes, the thoughts that we're to have. He, He knows that we live in a world that is difficult and challenging, and and so often that affects our attitudes. And so he says, hey, if you will allow me to renew your mind, if you will allow me to do that, you can begin to live in my will, which is perfect and pleasing. And he's the one, he's he's the motivator that comes along to give us those thoughts. He's the one who is the producer of the moments of our life, whether they be the magnificent or sometimes even the mundane He's able to turn that mundane into the miraculous. And God is the one that produces those moments. Well, that same God comes along to say to us, I know that you've got to take some next steps. I know you've got to keep walking through this life. But I am here to help you, to guide you, to direct your steps, and even to give you the strength to take them. The prodigal son story is actually the story of the prodigal father, right? Who in extravagant love, when he sees his son walking back in his direction, he runs out to meet him. That's God. That's God with you. He, he looks for you to begin taking the steps in his direction, and when you do, he runs to meet us. Well, we covered another part of next steps just, just uh, this past weekend when we talked about the importance of three basics of our faith. And and that was that, first of all, believe. Believe in in the one who was sent to save us from our sins. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And and then the the next step is to be baptized. We follow him in believer's baptism. Bible says over and over again in the New Testament that they were saved and then they were baptized. Then, after baptism comes belonging, being a part of his church, being a a responsible, accountable, supportive, but also one that can come and feel like you are in a place where you are accepted and loved as God would have. That's the church. That's belonging. Believe, baptize, belonging. Today, Memorial Day weekend, we're, we're going to take it one step further. And, and as we be- I'm going to give you just a simple outline that I actually made back in high school. And, and, and I, I have used this outline when I was in college, when I was given the first opportunity to speak. I've used it when I was a counselor at Hiawatha with devotions, my guys, been around for a long time, and I have consistently gone back to it, and as I looked at the scripture that we're going to look at today, it was a reminder of how closely it aligns 
with where we're going and what we're talking about. You know, uh, back in the year 109 AD, so we're talking a little while ago, the Roman Empire set up an aqueduct in Segovia, Spain. It brought cool, refreshing water from the mountain down into that city. And it did it for year after year, decade after decade, generation after generation. In fact, nearly 60 generations of people enjoyed the cool, refreshing water that came down that mountain from a Roman aqueduct built in 109 AD. Unbelievable. But sure enough, as luck would have it, at some point, the adults in the crowd thought, you know what, we want to save this aqueduct as a historical piece, a museum piece, as it were, a place that our kids and, and our grandkids can come and visit because of all that it's done. So they decided to have contractors go up the mountain, lay down the iron pipes, reroute the water, and not use the aqueduct that had been sufficient for 60 generations. After they got done, the aqueduct started to dry up. The aqueduct started to decompose. The aqueduct <laughs> began to, to lose its, its mortar and it began to crumble right before their very eyes. They, it was being destroyed. Why? Because it was not being used. The hot sun would come out and dry it up. And without that water running through it, its lack of use actually caused its deterioration. And soon, what ages of use could not destroy idleness disintegrated. Let me say that to you again. What ages of use, what generations of use could never destroy, idleness disintegrated because it wasn't being used. Maybe that's why God's word from Genesis to Revelation talks to us about the importance of taking our next steps. Even the psalmist, David, right? In, in what maybe for some of you is your favorite psalm, maybe your favorite scripture passage. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, David was wise enough to know, I can't stop there. I must keep walking. Hurting? Yeah. Painful at times. Difficult? Sure. But I keep taking the next step. And David knew, as I walk through that, I don't do it by myself. I don't do it alone. God, the good shepherd, is with me. Well, I want to take you to a passage in the book of Ephesians from the Apostle Paul. And of course, Paul, the most prolific New Testament writer, Paul, the most prolific church planter and pastor, Paul, the Apostle, didn't start out that way. He started out as a, a persecutor of the church, a persecutor of those who followed Christ. His goal in life, in fact, was to stamp out the very church that he later 
would be so proficient at starting. And he had an experience with Jesus. And he began to plant churches all over. One of those churches that he planted was a church in Ephesus, a little Grecian city. And he wrote to them the book, the New Testament letter called Ephesians. And in Ephesians is where I get this little outline that I want to give to you today and we're going to cover because I think it tells us not only the importance of our next step, but what they should be. So I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to begin in verse 14, actually the second part of that verse. This is what it says. It says that light makes everything visible. That's why he says, awake, sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, but that just causes dissipation. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Let me give you the quick outline, and then we're going to go back and kind of tear it apart just a little bit and wrap up our message for today. The outline is this. Wake up, get up, buy up, wise up, and fill up. It's a little outline that I learned way back in high school, but I realized how appropriate it is for where we are in our discussion of next steps. Paul says, awake you who are sleeping and rise from the dead. Now on the surface, that sentence doesn't make any sense. But when you write it from the perspective of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, when you write it from the perspective of what Jesus was able to do and accomplish here on this earth, you realize that from Jesus' perspective, death was really only sleeping. In fact, there was a time when Jesus was on his way to a little girl's house. She was very sick with a fever, and her father had come and said, would you please come and heal my daughter? And Jesus full of compassion for that father, his daughter, their family. He was making his way to that little girl. And when he was on his way, they came and said, forget it, it's too late. Don't bother the master anymore. Your daughter is dead. But Jesus keeps going. When he gets to the house, the morning has already started. And people are there weeping and of course, at the loss, and he moves them all out of the little girl's room. And he says, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. Wow. They, they snickered. Some of them even, even mocked what Jesus had just said. We know she's dead. She's not sleeping. He cleared them out. He cleared them out of the room. Listen, sometimes you got to clear out the doubters in order to get to what God has for you. 
you got to clear out those who don't think it can be accomplished and don't think it can happen. And Jesus was like, you know what? You need to step aside. And he cleared out that room and he went in and he took that little girl's hand. And before you know it, she sat up. He brought her out and he said, I think she's a little hungry. Why don't we get her something to eat? Can you imagine the crowd? The crowd who had mocked what Jesus said just a few moments earlier. But that is why Paul says, wake up you who are sleeping, and arise from the dead. You are, in a spiritual sense, dead. Scripture tells us that we are dead in our sins. But when we accept Christ, when we step over that line of faith, when we trust in Him as our Lord and Savior, He gives us new life. And Paul says, some of y'all need to wake up to the fact that you need Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Jesus, when he's in the house, death loses its grip. Death loses its power. It's only sleep to Jesus. And that even means in a spiritual sense. There might be some of you that are watching today and you're like, you know, there's no way that I can come to Jesus. There's no way he would accept me the way I am. I've got to clean some things up. I've got to clear some things out. I've got to make some things right. And here's the deal. No, you don't. You just need to come to Jesus. Because when you do that, then he will help you mend those broken pieces and parts of your life. Don't try to do it on your own. Wake up to the fact that you need Jesus. But there's a second part to this. He says in verse 15, Paul keeps going, be careful how you walk. Be careful how you walk. How you live is how you walk. And how you walk, your walk through life is the way that you live. There is a difference, isn't there? between waking up and getting up. If you are the parents of teenagers, you understand that completely. Because you can go in on a, 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 a school morning or maybe a Saturday morning and say, hey, it's time to wake up. And they kind of rub their eyes, you know, and they, they roll back over. So you come in the room a few minutes later, hey, wake up. Again, they acknowledge that you've been in the room, that they've heard you yelling, come on, mom, stop. And at some point, you realize you got to go in and stand there and say, hey, it's time to get up. It's not enough that you wake up. You can wake up and not accomplish anything during the day. You can wake up and still not wind up going to school. You can wake up, nothing gets done. you got to get up. You got to get up. Did you know that there are over 2.4 billion people in the world that associate themselves with Christianity? How many of those Christians woke up but never got up? How many Christians, how many said believers in Jesus Christ 
They've understood the importance of claiming Christ, but they've never done anything with it, done anything about it. There is a difference between waking up and getting up. Imagine, imagine if the church of Jesus Christ would get up and begin to walk by faith in him. What kind of a difference would that make? That'd be huge. It would be incredible what we could accomplish. But instead, so many are content with just waking up, but never getting up. Well, he keeps going. How do we walk? How, how do we make sure that our lives count? How do we make sure that we're making a difference in our walk, in the next steps that we take? He says the next thing you got to do is buy up. Buy up. He says that we need to use our time effectively, making the most of your time, he says in verse 16, because the days are evil. It seems as if there is an importance placed on making the most of our opportunities because the days are evil. When he was writing to Ephesus, if it was that way then, how much more important is it today to make the most of our opportunities, to make the most of our time? If you Look in the King James Version of this scripture. It says, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. In the Old Testament, in the book of Ruth, there is a guy who is actually a a picture of Christ. His name is Boaz. Boaz was called the, the kinsman redeemer. Back in that day and age, that culture, he was one who, if willing, could become the one that would have Ruth as his wife. He was, he was the one who would be the kinsman redeemer. And he did that. He thought enough of Ruth. In fact, he fell in love with Ruth. He bought her with, with a price. He, he, was, he was the one that redeemed her. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ is the redeemer. You have been bought with a price. God thought so much of you. God loved you so much that he paid the ultimate price. He sent his son to buy you back. That's a redeemer. And it's the same term that is used here when Paul talks about our time. How precious time is. That it needs to be redeemed. We need to use it effectively. We're instructed to use it wisely. In fact, the next statement is, wise up. Wise up. Understand the will of the Lord. Don't be foolish. 
understand what the will of the Lord is. When it comes to using our time effectively, when it comes to making the most of our days, when it comes to making the most of our walk, of our next steps, are we buying back the time? Are we wise enough to seek God's will in the steps of our life. Uh, Jeff Goldblum is an actor that many of you are familiar with. He, he was, uh, has been a part of many of the Jurassic Park, Jurassic World movie franchise. He, uh, uh, of course, was uh, the fly way back in, in the day. He's been in a number of movies. Well, he was hired to do an ad campaign for Apartments.com, Okay. And many of you might recall that he is the guy that comes on in this apartment net and, and, and he influences people to go out and buy apartments. They started this campaign in 2015. It must be successful because here we are six years later and they're still using the same campaign and still using the same actor. In fact, even last year, in the year with all of the difficulties and challenges of the pandemic and everything like that, they were still hoping that this ad campaign would inspire 10 billion impressions from 800 million visits to the website, apartments.com. They have put a huge investment in, but there has been a huge return on that investment. And so it continues. At the end of every one of those ads, Jeff Goldblum, in most of them, he says, change your apartment, change your world. <laughs> As if somehow, if we could just get out of where we are and get to this apartment, the whole world would change. A change of scenery will make the biggest difference. Sometimes it does make a pretty big difference. But more often than not, we need something deeper we need something bigger and broader than a change of our circumstances. I'd like to change that statement and just as we kind of begin to bring this message to a close, I, I want to encourage you, instead of saying change your apartment, change the world, how about this? Change your question. Change the world. Change your question. Change the world. You're like, what does that even mean? Because of the circumstances that we often find ourselves in, do you find yourself asking why a lot? Why does this always happen to me? Why do people treat me this way? Why did this happen back then? Why can't I ever? Why do they always and seemingly, social media, good, bad, or indifferent, pushes us even more in that direction. Whether you're following someone else's Instagram or Twitter, and it just seems like they have all of the incredible things in life, then why did they, we have the same? Why, why, why? What if we change the question from why to, to what? Instead of why did this happen? Maybe, what can I learn? I instead of 
Why does this seem to go their way and not? How about what can I do? What can I change? Change the question. Now, let me see if I can give you a, a little better example. I want you to do me a favor, and I know, I don't know where you're at, where you're, you might be, uh, you know, in your, uh, in your RV, you might be at the cabin, you, you might be at home. I'm not sure where you're watching this, but, but I want you to do me a favor. I want you to look around wherever you are. Just look around wherever you are, and I want you to take, let's just take 15, 20 seconds, and notice everything in your surroundings, okay? In the room, in the house, in the cabin, in the car. Notice everything that is black, okay? Just look around 15, 20 seconds and notice everything that is black, all right? That's what I want you to look for, everything that's black. Ready? Go. All right, now I want you to close your eyes, okay? Now, not if you're driving. Do not close your eyes if you're driving. But if you're home, if you're somewhere where you can, close your eyes. And I want you to picture something in your surroundings that's blue. Picture something that's blue. My guess is you can't do it. Why? Because I just asked you, I preconditioned you to look for everything in the room, everything in the cabin, everything where you're at that was black. And so you began to notice all of these things. So then when I say, find something that's blue, remember something that's blue, we're already preconditioned. And a lot of times, life, our circumstances, our past, the difficulty, the worry, the anxiety we have for the future... It kind of preconditions us to think a certain way. It preconditions us to look at life a certain way. And we constantly find ourselves asking why, why, why. We need to change the question. We need to change the question. And we need to, we need to go back to what Paul says, be careful how you walk, how you live. Make the most of every opportunity. How are we going to do that when we're constantly asking the question, why? Why does this happen? Why? We've got to change the question. So here's what I want to encourage you to do, all right? This is wisdom. This is wisdom. Redeeming the time, making sure that we are walking in step with God, making sure that we're allowing him to renew our mind so that we could find ourselves in his perfect, pleasing will. How do we do that? Here we go. In light of my past experience, what is the best next step for me to take? Let me say that again. In light of my past experience, what is the best step, the best next step, for me to take. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, the Apostle Paul said, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. 
I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. What was Paul saying? I am, in light of my past experience, taking my next steps forward, reaching for the prize that God has for me. And interesting that when it comes to personal pronouns, at the very end of that verse, he says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. He was including you in that passage. He was saying, look, in light of my past experiences, the best next step for me is to press forward. The best next step for me is to forget those things which are behind. And in Paul's life, there was an equal amount of failure and success. Can you imagine how bogged down the Apostle Paul could have gotten if he had constantly dwelled on what he had been? If his mind was constantly going back to what he had done, how many times did he run into a family who said, hey, you arrested my brother. You took my mom. The last time you were here, you took out a whole church of people. They met their death. Can you imagine how difficult it must have been for him to wrestle with that? Paul is the guy that held the coats of the men who picked up stones and hurled them at the first deacon of the church, Stephen, until he died. Paul was an accomplice to that. Can you imagine how difficult it would have been if he was living in the past? But instead, he would say, in light of my past experience, the next step for me is to press forward. Here's another question. In light of my present circumstance, what is the next best step for me to take? In light of my present circumstances, in light of where I am right now, what is the best next step that I can take? Again, Paul. And again, the book of Philippians. He says in chapter 1, verse 12, Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. You want to know who the Praetorian Guard was? They were Caesar's special police, special guards. There, there would be times, in fact, when Paul would write and say, hey, there are some in Caesar's household. I can't name names, but they greet you. Their brothers, sisters in Christ, they have come to know Jesus. And Paul would say, because of my present circumstance, 
This is what is happening. Most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. In light of my current circumstances, what is the next step? What is the best next step for me to take? And Paul, in light of the circumstance that he was in, in prison, he had the attitude that could say, Christ is using this. In fact, his message is being spoken about right to the very top because of what's happening. And maybe for you, you're beginning to look towards the future. I think a lot of people coming out of this past year kind of had to put their future on hold, but now coming out of it, seemingly there's a lot of people that are looking towards the future. In light of my future dreams, what is the best next step for me to take? Would you ask yourself that question? And as you ask yourself that question, would you realize that the eternal, omnipotent, omniscient God of creation, who loved you so much that he sent his son to die in your place, said in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. In light of my future, my future dreams, my future opportunities, Opportunities. What is the next step, the best next step for me to take? God has a future for you. So doesn't it make sense to pursue taking steps in the direction that the God who wants to give you a hope and a future wouldn't it make sense to move in that direction rather than away from it? Wouldn't it make sense to move in that direction rather than simply sitting idly by? They wanted to salvage and save a Roman aqueduct so that the generations to come could see it and remember the problem is when it stopped being used, its actual idleness destroyed it. And I have a feeling that happens to a lot of Christians. Idleness, standing pat, not moving forward, prevents believers in Jesus from becoming all oh, 
And he wants us to become from accomplishing, from taking advantage of the opportunities. How many are the opportunities that we have already missed? Let's not do that going forward. Let's make sure that we are ready for every chance that comes. Paul was on the lookout for opportunities. Paul was on the lookout to make the most of his time, so much so that even when most people would say, I'm just sitting around in a prison waiting to die, Paul, (laughs) he would write much of the New Testament. Paul would share Christ. Paul would encourage those that were coming to see him. Paul's testimony and witness would reach all the way to the highest echelons of government in Rome. And even those in Caesar's household, some of those would become believers in Christ because Paul was determined, even in that situation, to take his next step. So what about you? In light of your past experiences, what is the best next step? In light of your current circumstances, your current situation, what's the best next step? And in light of your future goals and dreams, in light of a God who offers you hope and a future, what's your best next step? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine. To Him be glory. God is able to do far more, but He has has to have a, a people that are willing to take the next step. Because when we step out in faith to Him, towards Him, for Him, He's the one who comes alongside, directs those steps, gives us strength to take the next one, and if needed, comes running to pursue and strengthen our walk with him. It's been a long time since I heard this little outline, but it's still pretty powerful today just as powerful as it was actually when Paul wrote it. Wake up, get up, buy up, wise up. And when we do those things, what happens? We fill up with the Spirit of God. A verse that we share nearly every Sunday, the Apostle John and Chapter 1, verse 12 said, But to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become children of God. How did he do that? He sends his spirit to live in you. You need help taking that next step? Maybe it's the first step. And I want to invite you to make that decision even yet today as we wrap this up. Would you bow your heads together with me in prayer? And maybe it's possible that you're watching with us today and there's never been that moment when you have said yes to Christ, when you have accepted Him as your Lord and Savior. I want to invite you to do that right now. And if you you are 
willing to say, that's me today, Billy. I need Christ. I need him to come and live in me. I need to be forgiven. I want to know that my place is in heaven with him. I want to encourage you to simply pray this prayer in your heart after me. You don't need to say it out loud even, although you can. Maybe if there's no one around, maybe, maybe that's what you should do today. But I want you to pray this prayer or something like it because Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And I want to make sure that you make that decision today. So I want to lead you in this prayer. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to simply repeat it after me. Just say, Dear Jesus, I do believe that you love me. I do believe that you came and died and rose again for me. Come into my heart, forgive my sin, and save me. I make you the Lord of my life. Now, if you prayed that prayer, would you do me one more favor? There's, there's a tab that came up on your computer screen that says, Today I accepted Christ as my Savior. Would you just hit that button? Just let us know of that decision. We're not even going to know your name, but God does. And we will know that you made that decision. And you can rest assured that we will be praying for you in the days to come, the steps that you take, that God will do something unique, different, tangible to help you realize the importance of what just happened. Father, thank you for meeting with us here today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for its power. Lord, a powerful message in just a few verses that Paul shared with a church 2,000 years ago still making such a difference today. Lord, help those that might still be seeking. I pray you'd help them to wake up to the fact that they need you. But Lord, I also pray for, for those who have maybe made that decision, but it's time for them to get back to walking with you, to taking next steps. Help them, Lord, and strengthen them, empower them to get up. And may each of us, Lord, make the most of every opportunity you bring our direction. May we buy up our time, use it effectively, wise up to your will, and endeavor to follow you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for meeting with us today. Thank you for those today, Lord, who accepted you as their personal Savior. Do something in their lives in the next few days to help them realize the importance of this decision they just made. We rejoice with them today. And we do it all in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen.